I hate plants. They scare me. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host, Oscar Fuchs. Today's guest, Salome Chen, is an original. She has a fascinating family background. She's a proud feminist. She's an academic. You know what? I can't try to encapsulate our conversation in this intro, so I'm not even going to try. What I will say is that on the day of our recording, the studio suddenly went on the fritz five minutes before we were due to start. So we had to quickly race across Shanghai to my apartment, where we ended up recording this episode. A big thanks to Salome for being a good sport, and to you, have fun listening out for any background noises, especially from the school next door. This episode is coming out just after the hundred-year anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party, and so it's fitting that part of Salome's story deals with her family history. Just a quick note for anyone who needs reminding: the last two dynasties before the revolution in China were the Ming, followed by the Qing. The Ming were Han Chinese, and the Qing were ethnically Manchurian. Well, thank you so much, Salome. My pleasure. I am here with Salome Chen. And what would you call yourself these days? Oh, it's difficult. <laughs> I'm just、uh, like a small entrepreneur, try to do whatever is interesting for me. Okay, let's talk about how you got to this position. You have a very、okay. interesting background. The first question I would ask you is the same question I ask everyone, which、mm-hmm. is, what is the object that you have prepared that, in some way, describes your life in China? Ah,、uh, I don't know what you will call this—a wallet or a card folder. It's a、uh, to me. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was two thousand nine. I prepared to build up my first company. You know, I studied in Germany, so luxury brands. I don't give a. <laughs> oh, sorry for the dirty word, but. But hang on, isn't Tumi a German brand? <laughs> I didn't know at that time. Okay. <laughs> I was a poor German student, and we were engineer. We don't care. Oh wait, so where were you in two thousand nine? You were in Germany.、Uh, no, in Beijing. In Beijing, okay. So, I have some real estate clients. Who want to pay a visit in Europe? He didn't speak English, so he invited me to go with him. I catch up with him in Barcelona. So we went to a really expensive, like a Spanish restaurant. Everyone enjoyed. We drink a lot of extremely expensive French wine. I don't know what is. I'm not a drinker. Second day, we walk in the street. Suddenly, he hold up a tree and told me, "Take me to McDonald." <laughs> I was like, "Holy hell, what's going on? I'm hungry. I don't like the breakfast at the hotel. That was a five-star hotel." So I took him to McDonald, and not far from there was this Tumi shop. So he's energetic. He want to buy everything. So it's my first time in my whole life they locked down the whole shop. Oh, yeah. Be- because he asked them to, or no, did- no, no, he didn't. Because he wanted to buy so many things. That kind of shop never had so much business. Yes. So he's like, I want to buy you a gift. Yeah, <laughs> pick up any like bag you like. You know, Chinese girls they always like bag. But my family is not like that. We don't like take things from people. And he didn't take refuse. So I just. Pick up the cheapest one, 
is this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. And it touches upon a lot about what I want to talk to you about today. And specifically, <laughs> you know, your life working with these ultra rich yeah. real estate developers, because that was your background in Beijing, right? You were in real estate. Yeah. Why don't we start with that part of your story then? So tell me about your time in Beijing. You know, when you look back, you feel like it's, it wasn't my life. <laughs> right. It's someone else's life. Right. I went to Beijing end of 2004. Because and you're not from Beijing. I'm from here, Shanghai. Right. But my mom's family a lot from Beijing. I'm even like one-eighth of men. Even ah, like yeah, Manchurian. Manchurian, yeah. Mm. We're actually from the Aixingjuelo family, but I'm sure not the royal family. No. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, so... Okay, now I feel intimidated. Are you actually a princess? No way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were returning to your northern roots. Okay. Yeah. I was a regional planner. I work with GIS. Which is what? Uh, you use all this uh, geometric data to work on big maps, all the information, you calculate all the data. I was uh, an environmental engineer and I studied hydraulics also. And I'm very interested in those like socioeconomics related planning. No one understands. So I went to real estate. Because I guess in China back then, the real estate boom, it hadn't happened yet. It just happened. So they need a lot of people all from different fields. Right, I yeah. see. Because it was just an industry it that just was booming. Psh, boom. yeah, right. yeah. So basically, you do business development. So I went to work for this like private equity. And we bought buildings, convert them into service departments and hotels, really luxury. Right, this is where we start to deal with the kinds of people you mentioned in your story. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what fascinates me because, you know, you came from an engineering, very scientific background, and now you were thrust into this life of excess and luxury. Yeah, the job is fun also. And I always enjoy research of hotels, how the functions are, how you should do the program. You get to understand what this society really is. You know, what you read in classes, that's not real. You have to really understand what small details change people's mindset. A lot of difficulties in between the service department group, the investors, the management group, the constructors. We even ran out of cash in the middle and we didn't have cash to pay employees for almost six months. You just remember the way we do the forecast. They do five, 10 year forecasting. They write down all these occupations so high 80%, 90%, 95%, because we had not many five-star hotels and not many service apartments. That's something really new in China. So you believe, wow, they can do that. Yeah, because that's my image of real estate in general. There's a lot of puff, you know, you have to say it's going to be 80% occupied, 90% occupied, but based on what, right? <laughs> yeah, the thing is, how to analyze the macro world, what 
for example, the politics in states like now will have influence on your own small business. You don't know. And meanwhile, we enjoyed our time, work hard, play harder, living in a very colorful way. And also because of Olympic, you have a lot of like openings of buildings, of shops, all those luxury brands came to China and I got invitations. You know, I realized fashion business, you use a lot of people comparatively young and stylish to party there and to create this scene. You were the tool to create the scene. But then the traffic became worse and worse, also the pollution. Finally, I cannot live there anymore. So I got an opportunity to work for another private equity in Shanghai. So I went back to Shanghai. Okay. Before we go on to your story about Shanghai, let's go backwards now. So yeah. tell me about your background. Tell me about your family. Oh, my family is progressive conservative. Okay. What do you mean by that? Um, my dad's family, we were officials in Ming Dynasty. So they decided not to surrender to the Qing Dynasty and move to Shanghai. We bought a lot of lands and also we have like three sea ships to shipping goods, famous brands. I don't know, hundreds of houses. And we also had a law firm, one of the earliest law firms in Shanghai. So it's scholar family, I would say. My grandmom's granddad didn't want to pay the tuition fee for the girls. That's the conservative part. But my grandmother is very powerful, strong lady, super smart. So she argued and the family said if she went to law major, so they would pay her university tuition fee. Otherwise, no. And she decided to went to a normal school and pay everything by herself. Yeah. And didn't give up. And that's my grandmother. She's really a strong lady. And she married to my grandfather. In the Second World War, my grandfather had a war wife. In China, actually, we never really had this multi-wife system. But in the Second World War time, it was allowed. So my grandmom helped to build up the education business here in Shanghai and was independent. Even after 1949, my grandfather divorced the other wife. She didn't take him back. Wow, okay. So in this way, you can see how I always say, I'm very proud to be a feminist. That's my family. And for my mom's family, they were officials of Qing Dynasty. My mom's father was a famous doctor and had his own hospital. You know, if you are a hospital director, basically, you become Catholic. And the family is more Western style. Yeah. And so going to your parents then, what did yeah. your parents do? Oh, it was also complex. My dad was super smart. So he didn't finish his university. And 
was chosen out to study atom bomb during research. Atom bomb. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But then he became a right wing. That means enemy of the country and was twenty two years in prison. Wow. Yeah. Then he just became a high school teacher, and my mom she never went to a real university because of the family background. At that time, of course, if、yeah. you were powerful, then you were a target. If you were scholar, if you were Catholic, if you were not in the extreme lower class, you are enemy. Yes. Yeah. And then she also became a teacher, teaching high school. Um. Then she quit the job in nineteen seventy eight and went back to her hometown in Tianjin. She was number one of the whole city. Then my mom did her college degree, and actually she was working as a library director for almost ten years. Okay. And then along comes you. You're the daughter of an atom bomb researcher and a first class student. Yeah, I can see now why you went into environmental engineering. Was that always going to happen? No, you know, China was like quite isolated. Since I was eight years old, I read the biography of Fermi. Oh, you mean the physicist? <laughs> yeah, the physicist. Okay. Yeah. So in my mind, you have to study math and physics. That's something. But then suddenly I heard this word architect. I didn't really know what architect mean. The architect sounds nice job, so I want to be an architect. And we had a big fight at home. My dad was like, "No, you don't want to be an architect. You are not engineer. You are not artist." And my dad was like, "If you want to be architect, get out of my house." <laughs> I was seventeen. So we negotiated, and <laughs> I went to Tongji University, and they had no hydraulics. But my uncles, aunties were quite famous hydraulic engineers from Tsinghua University, and the thing close to hydraulics is water supply and the drainage and environment. Were you passionate about the environment at that time? No, I hate plants. They scare me. <laughs> I spent my childhood with my dad's mom, so she was very old. My parents were in different city, so no one really took me out. We didn't have many children's book at home, so I read a lot of Chinese ancient ghost story. All these special flowers, they became ghosts. In ghost stories, the flowers were ghosts. Yeah. Everyone who is listening would know that if they're Chinese. Yeah. Oh. And I don't understand why people always think that's something romantic and beautiful. For me, that's really scary and sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ever since you've read these ghost books, you've been scared of plants. Yeah. <laughs> What about your house now? Uh, I have some flowers, but. I put on gloves to throw them out, or ask my IE to do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to test this now and see if there are other people who are scared of plants. <laughs> Otherwise, have you ever met anyone else? Not really. <laughs> so you don't like plants, and then you went into environmental engineering. That's a disaster. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up in Germany? That was part of your story. 
because Tongji was founded by Germans in 1907, so it's kind of tradition. And Unix Stuttgart is the best of hydraulic engineer, and also very famous in environment engineer. And we got invitations also to send students there. That's how I went to Germany. Well, thank you. Let's fast forward back then. So you、yeah. had moved from Beijing, and you're going back to Shanghai, and you、yeah. were you were still in real estate. Yes. I worked for a private equity, but there were so much money floating everywhere. So all the big investors, all these big financial groups, they wanna buy license. They don't want to invest in heavy industry. In Beijing time is basically real estate, real estate, real estate. But after maybe two thousand twelve. People start to use all different financial tools, so some people can do huge business, and for the middle lower class, it became more difficult. Yes, that makes sense. And is it also a function of everything was already built, and there are fewer projects in terms of just the simple real estate, real estate, real estate? No, the thing is like. For example, you never have enough infrastructure, but for infrastructure, you don't earn money from them. So people made up stories to sell residence. It's not balanced. So it relies very much on the leverage. Most support you get from bank. Yeah.、Uh, so if politics change, if macro policies change. That means huge risk, and you cannot diversify your risk. Right, which just makes the whole environment much more complicated. Yeah, you really need long-lasting government support and a very stable policy, which means the private investors would hesitate to invest.、Mm. I'm looking at the time. Let me finish by asking you then: What projects are you working on today? Basically, my company we build up certain projects, and one of them, including a exhibition hall, and it's a technology one. But I try to make it very arty and storytelling. Yeah, I put different technology projects and make them a cluster of stories. So this is almost going back to your first dream of being an architect. You can now really work in that area. Uh, I hired some good architect to work as interior designer because they are better understanding of structure and、uh, space. And architects get more training in engineering and technology, so they can understand why I want to combine all these different technology together. Yeah. And when will this project be online? <laughs> Difficult. Yeah, we. Because right now is a very difficult time, as you say. Like there's no knowing what will happen in the future. Yeah, but for example, I cannot get into very detail. But we also get influenced by the Chinese-American relationship. So there's a payment problem, and also it's a government-sponsored project. So there will definitely be a lot more procedures to go, which some I know, some I don't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, good luck. We will definitely keep in touch. I want to see this project being built in the future. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you, Salome. We will move on to part two. Yeah. yeah. Let's go very quickly. Are you ready? Yeah. We have a, a short amount of time, so we'll race through this. Question one: What is your favorite China-related fact? Jiangnan, which refers to the Yangtze Delta region, and you go somewhere warmer and green, so it arouses this nostalgic feeling. Yeah. So Jiangnan, what what is that area? Shanghai and maybe part of Zhejiang Province and the south part of Jiangsu Province. Yeah. They are culturally, they are historically connected, aren't they? Yeah. Because we don't use really Jiangnan very often, do we? Or do you hear that a lot?、Mm, when we talk, when we speak, you don't use that much. But when you write,、mm. it's still very poetic. People use it a lot, a lot. Since I was one year old, and not in the city center, but in this small town, which was owned by my family, you have this like old relations between people, and all these rivers around. It's peaceful. Yeah. Right. Next question. Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese that you like to teach people? Maybe. Yeah, 设身处地 which means put yourself in someone else's shoe. Right. It's very easy to be judgmental. I'm very judgmental, but you have to put yourself in other people's situation and try to understand. This make you have a much wilder world. It's my moral standard. Yeah. 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 Question three: What is your favorite destination within China? I will say Silk Road. Ah, yeah. I was born in Yumen, which is where? It's close to Dunhuang,、ah, very、okay. west. And not only because I was born there, I went there、uh, when I was forty, exactly for my birthday. And also, my dad was eighty. It was more like a birthday gift for my dad. Beautiful. Yeah, and also there's so many different cultures there. There's cultural communication. I love history, and that's beautiful. Right, because that whole area is squeezed in between Xinjiang and then Tibet and then Mongolia. You've yeah, everything there. Yeah,、you? all the Buddhism, Hinduism. You can see the landscape change, the culture change, the language change, and even people they look different. If you go deep in history, the world become much much bigger. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. If you left China, what would you miss the most, and what would you miss the least? My parents. For me, people is always the most important thing, and、uh, of course, and I wouldn't miss those populists. Oh,、uh, what do you mean? Oh, populists. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do, and it's the same wherever you go, right? If we were in the UK, I would say the same thing about people there, right? Yeah. Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? No, not really, because my grand. Mom always taught me like keep calm and don't be surprised, and I get used to that attitude. If there anything new, very different happened, I will try to analyze why. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the scientific side of you. <laughs> <laughs> What is your favorite place to go out to eat or drink or just hang out? Uh, maybe the riverside, the West Bank, because I told you I had this like. Colorful, expensive life back in Beijing, and a lot of parties, drinks, and kind tired of that. So I miss my childhood. This peaceful and local people's connection. So I choose to live not too far from the river. And in the morning, sometimes I go jogging along it. You see all these big ships 
like slowly moving there, and that's the industrial part of Shanghai, and it's something more stable. Right, it's much more real, right? Yeah. Very good. What is the best or worst purchase you've recently made? <laughs> I'm not really a shopper. I hate like go shopping with girlfriends and drive me crazy. So normally I make a list. I know what I want. I want to shop. I pick up things and I go. The last thing I really like was my ring. Oh, nice! I can yeah. see it. Yeah, it's designed by a friend of mine. I told my husband, if you bought me a Tiffany or whatever, I will not marry you. <laughs> I was not nice to him. Every like gift he bought me, I was like, oh, this is expensive. You know, it doesn't worth that much. I'm very into art. I love museums. I prefer either very practical thing or something really designed, meaningful. So I told my、um, husband. I have a friend called Paloma in Beijing. She had her own store and do the design. And nice thing is, she even built up a factory in Ethiopia to help the local people who were dumped by husband who got diamonds and left the family. I was so touched by the story, and her design is brilliant. So I told my husband, either I got a ring from her or. I don't want a ring. I don't mind if I marry without a ring. I'm Chinese, <laughs> so we went to Paloma, and I told her the style. Maybe I want, so she designed for me. And and that's the ring. Yeah, that's the ring. <laughs> <laughs> You're not very romantic. I'm okay, right?、Yeah. If you put all these romantic things on these small details, you don't really get something big. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What is your favorite WeChat sticker? Okay, send it to me now. Oh.、Uh, okay, I have it. I have it. Oh,、uh, <laughs> I like the one with sunglasses because I enjoy mocking people slightly. Oh. Yeah. So it, this is you saying cool, but really you're saying. Oh no! Ha 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 ha. Okay, thank you. And the next question: What is your favorite KTV song? Sorry, I don't sing songs. I'm a terrible singer. For me, it was like I didn't know I was a terrible singer. You know, when you're a kid, you don't know. You just try to sing songs. Um, I was a good student, so when we have this music exam, I did the paperwork very well, full score always. And my teacher told me, "You didn't need to sing. You passed the exam." And really, she just let me pass exam, sixty, exactly, not even sixty-one. How bad that mean? <laughs> My dad was a good singer, but my mom was terrible. So I think maybe I followed my mom. <laughs> yeah. If you ask me, sing. I don't know. This is why this is still a good question because I got a good story from that. Yeah. I mean, and you can't be good at everything. Do you? Do you accept that now? I always accept that. Just、yes. my parents want me to be good at everything. I'm not. Very good. And finally, what other China-related media sources do you rely on? I have a lot of people who work in the media fields on my moments.、Uh, especially, I lived in Beijing, so I know a lot of people there who get to know certain things. And you know, in Beijing, you have the rumors, different kind of rumors all around. So 
I get trained. You hear something, you analyze with your experience, you do some research by yourself. Yeah, I try not to read so many Chinese media. Yeah. Thank you so much, Salome. Yeah. What a fascinating conversation. I don't know how to actually classify it. <laughs> We went into so many different details. The last thing I will do is to ask you, out of everyone you know in China, who do you recommend that I interview in the next season of Mosaic of China? Sam. He's a like a、uh, trip advisor. He do this all these like、uh, plannings for travelers who want more get into deeper understanding of a place. Sam is someone who really love culture and love people. So he try to explore things with his beautiful eyes. He had beautiful blue eyes. That's how I got to know him. Really. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I look forward to meeting Sam, and thank you so much, Salome. Yeah, thank you. So I have one major correction to make, and it was to a comment I made right off the bat. No, Tumi is not a German brand. I don't know where I got that from. It was actually founded by an American who had been in the Peace Corps in Peru, and it's named after a Peruvian ceremonial knife. So actually, in researching that mistake, I discovered a link to the Peruvian healer Catherine Wong from episode four of the season, and also to last week's episode with DJ Bo, who was also in the Peace Corps, not in Peru but in Mongolia. As for other connections, Salome's comments on the China real estate market were also reflected in the episode with Wendy Saunders, the architect from episode twelve from this series. Her favorite hangout by the Huangpu River in Shanghai was the same as that of Michelle Chu, the improvisational comedian from a few weeks ago, episode twenty. And Salome's favorite WeChat sticker was actually not a sticker at all, but one of the WeChat emojis, just like with the brand namer Vladimir Jurovic from season two, episode thirteen, or the fitness community leader Vi Vu from season one, episode eight. As always, you can find images from today's episode on the Mosaic of China website or on Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat. Apart from her object, the Tumi credit card holder, there are also photos of where Salome was born in her hometown of Yumen in Gansu Province, some of her parents and the other relatives she mentioned, her wedding ring, and plenty more besides. And if you're at the website, you'll also be able to see how to subscribe to the premium version of the show, which includes an average of 10 to 15 minutes per episode. Here are some clips from today's full-length version. So I asked my husband, "Where's Zhejiang?"、Uh, he's like, "Oh, that's the airport of Yichang." I was like, "What?" So you have to really read news and really know what you read. <laughs> I was like, "Bullshit!" I gave you a difficult one. That's how Salome、oh. came to my mind. <laughs> They are totally not pretentious. When they are nice to you, you know that's something you trust. Beijing really shocked me. I went there is totally not what I imagined. You thought you were being polite, but actually you were insulting her. Yeah, and he is one of the guys who proposed to me. You're kidding. <laughs> no. And that's all for this week. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. I'm taking a planned summer vacation next week, so we'll be back for episode 25 of the season on August the third. But before then, coming right up is a catch-up with the luxury club GM Laurie Lee from episode 10 of last season. So stay tuned for that, and I'll see you next time.
Hello, Laurie. Hello. It's so good to see you again. Me too. I remember, as part of our original interview,、mm-hmm. you were telling me about how you managed the private members club during the economic crisis. Yeah. And recently, we had another crisis. So、mm-hmm. I really wanted to ask you, how did you cope with Yongfu Elite during the coronavirus? Oh, actually, we decided to open a new lab. We invite the Chinese chef, which is working on the Michelin two star or three star abroad. Invite them to come back to China to our lab and do Chinese food research. And then、uh, some of them、uh, stuck in China because of the virus, so、uh, they can't go to Japan. They can't to go to French to their previous restaurant. So they stayed in our lab and for this whole year. Oh gosh! So their plan was a few weeks, and they ended up being the whole year. Yeah. Well, that's kind of good news for you, right? Yeah, we 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 don't expect <laughs> that will be you know additional bonus for us, but、uh, we really appreciate all the、uh, new blood. They do very well to make a modern twist of the traditional Chinese food, and、uh, actually, I think it's also a good、uh, time for all the F and B company. To make、uh, the inside、uh, adjustment and inside training, because you can't do the outside marketing, but you have like a time window to do some adjustment. Like us, we do the whole food research. It's like three months. We don't open our restaurant, so we only do the food research.、Yeah. Right.、Mm. And did you see emerging from coronavirus in China? Did you see a new version, a new definition of luxury, or did we snap back to what you were talking about before, where luxury was about spending time in nature, spending time with family?、Mm-hmm. Was that something which you saw continue after coronavirus? Yeah, after this、uh, crisis, I think most of the people think more about、uh, the life itself, how to be happier. Everybody actually change a little bit the value, yeah. Right, I've heard that about people are now a little bit more health conscious even、mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. People become more and more care about their body, care about their mind, and、uh, I heard about that. Everybody go to the hospital to do a little bit、uh, face adjustment. <laughs> and,、uh, the other reason is every people wear the mask, so they have the good、uh, chance to recover, and people will not recognize. <laughs> That's so funny. So just like how you went into your lab and did R and D during coronavirus, people are going to the cosmetic surgery lab、yeah. and are changing their faces. Yeah, yeah. Is that really true? Yeah, yeah. That's one of my friend. He's in this industry. He told us. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe you did that, Laurie, because you're looking wonderful. <laughs> I think it's、uh, like everybody. They want to do it now. Yeah, everything they don't want to wait. They realize the time is really limit. Yes, and that's something which we've experienced in China, which I hope the rest of the world will also get to,、mm. where you do see some return to normal, and you really do understand the value、mm-hmm. of the things that maybe you took for granted before.、Mm-hmm. And then, what about you personally? We've talked about your business.、Mm-hmm. How about you? Did you have a tough year? Was it for you? A year where you learned something new about yourself. Oh, because I have plenty of time during the virus period, so I start writing again. 
Nice. Yeah, I used to be a writer, and fifteen、uh, years haven't really created some、uh, like novel. And now、uh, this year, every day I have three to five hours to be totally by myself. So I start writing again. Now I almost、uh, finish a middle-sized novel. Amazing. Yeah. Oh wow! And are you already talking with publishers, or are you still in early stages?、Mm. I already show a part of them、uh, to some publishers, but I'm not、uh, very urgent to publish. Yeah, I guess、mm. it's more for yourself, right? Yeah, but、uh, it's a good uh, uh, start. It、uh, stimulates me to write more and more. Now I'm already planning the second novel. Okay. Yeah. The birth of a new career. <laughs> it's <laughs> making me think that I have not used my coronavirus time as well as you. <laughs> Thank you, Laurie. And we are going to be releasing this episode alongside、uh, one of the new episodes in season two.、Mm. Unfortunately, the person who you recommended, Wang Feng, she couldn't make it into this season.、Okay. But. We were able to find a very good replacement, so I look forward to you listening to the replacement.、Mm -hmm. And it's just been a pleasure to get back in touch with you and to see your face. We have met actually a few times、mm -hmm. since your recording. I want to say thank you again for being part of this project, and I hope that we continue to stay in touch. Thank you. It is my great honor. <laughs>